Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm delighted to be joined by Macy Kaplan and Jen Simonic who are the co-founders of the Loose Ends Project. Loose Ends is an organisation that helps people who have unfinished craft projects that have been left behind by loved ones and they match them with a finisher who is a volunteer with the skills to finish the project for them. I was really pleased to be able to hear about how they came up with the idea for Loose Ends and to hear more about the amazing work they're doing. So hi Jen and Macy, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you for joining me. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about Loose Ends, your project and all of those things. But first of all, I always start off with asking, where did your story with knitting begin? So I don't know, Jen, do you want to start maybe? Sure. Um, I started knitting when I was six. My grandmother taught me on stainless steel needles that um, she used when making bandages for World War II. Wow. Um, They just happened to be around and she let me use them. And then I started really knitting in earnest in sixth grade. Um, How old does that make you for, I don't know about American grade. uh, Sixth grade is about 11. Okay. Yeah. 11 or 12. Um, And I had an undiagnosed ADHD and it turns out that when I knit, I can focus. So I knit an entire sweater under the table using pencils because I didn't want to get in trouble, which is so weird. <laughs> so weird in retrospect. Yeah. I always spend a lot of time trying to make sure like our behavior fits in. But um, yeah, that's where I started. And I was, I knit a scarf for my friend, Becky Linder. So. Do you think you knew at that point that it helped you focus and you chose to do it deliberately? Or do you think that was like an accident and you just you were attracted to it maybe because I don't know, it felt better than just sitting and trying to listen and struggling. I I don't think I was that self-aware. I do think it probably felt better. Um, it, I, I had tried many things like reading a book during school. <laughs> like there were lots of things that I did that got me in trouble. And it seemed, it seemed to be the thing that didn't get me in trouble, but it kept letting me focus. So. It, it actually, all it did was stop me from being the person who had my hand up constantly asking questions. Um, Cause I was really good at school. I just got bored easily. So it kind of was like this thing I could do on the side while I was being bored and could just, you know, not be an interruption. Cause God forbid a girl be an interruption in a classroom. I mean, imagine. So did you keep knitting the whole way through since that time? Or have you had breaks? Yeah, I mean, I sometimes went back and forth. Um, I, I picked it up again in in high school. I made a sweater. And then in college, I picked it up. Um, and I think it was in college where it first occurred to me that I can really pay attention when I'm knitting. Like, it, it I made the connection. Um, and then when I was in graduate school, I did it again. And I went to graduate school for teaching. So um, it would annoy some of my professors and some of my professors got it. I've been called, I, I, I knit a lot on meetings um, in my next life and uh, I have been called out for it and told I wasn't paying attention. And um, now I have better words to explain to them that if they really want me to pay attention, they want me to knit. If not, I can do other things. So there were some of your professors that could appreciate that it all kind of felt like it was fine or maybe understood the point, the value of it. I would like to think that um, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I've, I mean, it's, it's become with the rise of fidget spinners and things mm. like that for, for kids with ADHD. Um, I've had better words to explain why I'm doing it. I knit up like I'm, I'm the person who's knitting all the time. I'm knitting in public and stuff like that. So when, I, when people say something to me, I explain it just, it just keeps my hands busy so I can pay attention. Yeah, but I think so many people feel like that about knitting that um, I certainly like if I was doing a training on Zoom, sometimes you have to sit down and listen for, you know, a whole day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And if I wasn't knitting, I don't know how I would sit and focus on that 
particularly when it's online came back I think. To it during during the covid time i i definitely came back to it in full force like i have always had projects going but during covid i didn't do anything and then i was expected to be on zoom calls for eight hours nine hours a day and it was really the only way i could focus mm -hmm. yeah. i think people thought i was taking really good notes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, well, how would they not like be able to yeah commend your doing focusing in the best way you possibly could? Yeah, hopefully people understand it a bit better now. Well, yeah, it was thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. thirty years ago they didn't get it no. as much. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, thirty years ago there were we, there were other things we were fighting with as as female students, like you know, yeah, being sure. physics class or you know yeah things like that <laughs> yeah so hopefully things are moving in the right direction um and how about you macy where did your story with knitting begin um i i started actually started crocheting first when mm -hmm. i was a little tiny person and then i started knitting in high school in the us um age 14 15 16 17 ish mm -hmm. and um i remember my mother taught me because I wanted to make a gift for someone who was at that time, my boyfriend oh. and I did it. Um, and at the time it seemed like it took forever. You know, when your first, your first project just takes eons. And um, I remember finishing a scarf. He was in college at that time. And he, I learned that he left it on the subway and it got lost. And I was pretty much like, you have to be kidding me. Like that took my entire life to, to make that it took for, it seemed forever up. Now, of course we could probably do that. We would do that in the course of our conversation today, but it was, it at the time felt like so much work that I was just uh, discouraged from doing anything else for a little while. Um, and then I picked it back up again in my twenties and I have not stopped since I'm knitting multiple projects at a time. Um, and I would say probably have six to 10 projects going at, at any time with different, you know, all with different qualities based on what you need. Sort of, you said earlier, you just needed a small circle that you could go round and round up that you don't have to look at. We've got those, we've got those in part of the house. So you don't have to get up and go get it. <laughs> one car, one's in the bag. Um, and the first project that I worked on, the one that was lost, that I want to believe someone picked up and used, and it didn't just go get put in the trash. But um, it, I'm, we made it with my mother and I were using um, Peace Fleece. Have you ever heard of Peace Fleece? Mm, I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. It's um, It was a main um, company at the time, and they would take strands of wool from warring nations and and spin them together so oh, wow. every every line had a different um you know it, it kind of was almost like this each skein was like this wish for people to get it together and not be fighting each other wow. so Did they still exist i think well i know that the the couple here in maine that um started it sold it and i think it's i i think it's spun in uh by harrisville now in oh. new hampshire i wow. think they're still around yeah they're still around i've seen them i've seen them in stores still yeah it's still beautiful colors maybe a little bit on the scratchy side but cool yeah oh that's an amazing idea I've got a similar story about a hat that i made that um that was like a, a long tube that then you turned in on itself. So it was like a double layer Ooh. hat, like oh. a um, woolly hat. So you kind of knitted it twice as long as a regular hat, if you see what I mean, and decreased so that it was kind of a tube and then folded it back in and then lost that in a salsa class. And I was thinking, oh, is it on the floor of the bar in a pot, you know, covered and soaked in beer? Or I'm hoping somebody really thought it, they loved it and they stole it so that it's living a happy life somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's, that's where it is. Exactly. Uh, you, I mean, we don't know. So let's just assume that yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I've done. <laughs>
And Macy, why do you think you carried on after that kind of tragic end to the scarf? Um, what made <laughs> you carry on and become such a committed knitter with projects in every corner of the house, yeah. do you think? I think it 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 took, I, I was discouraged enough to stop for a couple of years. Yeah. And then, um, and then I um, reconnected with a friend. I was living in Colorado at the time and I reconnected with a friend. Actually, she's a mutual friend of ours. Jen Shawnee. And oh, um, Shawnee? she was an oh, amazing nice. knitter. She was working on a big color work sweater and Tarja sweater. And I remember like just looking at it and feeling it like, just like, Oh, I think I should be doing that. Like, I think it's in, it's in my cells, like to be wanting to do that. And I asked her to just show me again. And of course, the second time you learn how to knit is you pick it right up, right? Because you've already learned it once. And, um, I, I remember she showed me, um, I remember her telling me about um, swatches, doing gauge swatches and, and trying to convince her that I didn't think I needed to do <laughs> four inches by four inches. That's going to take me forever. And um, uh, trying to explain to her how I didn't think it was necessary to do that. And she was like, uh, lazy, you can do it. <laughs> And um, we all feel like I, that, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that uh, was it. So that was it. I didn't stop since then. Okay. And I guess the point of the sorry, Jen. What did you want to say? I, I was going to say gauge is just such a hard thing. <laughs> I, try, I try to avoid it as much as possible. It's so bad because I end up knitting things all the time because things don't work. I should just learn my lesson once, but. Eh. I think it took me a long time. I was a knitter for like more than five years before I knitted something that actually really had to fit because I just thought, oh, that's the stress I don't need in my life. I can just knit shawls and scarves forever. <laughs> um, Turn it out. You run out of people, run out of heads and necks to cover. So Yeah. And then I think now my lifestyle, like since having children, I can't wear clothes that don't just stay on on their own, like shawls. Like they're not very practical for wrangling kids and dogs. My sure. clothes need to stay on my body without any additional effort. <laughs> so, cowls and mittens, mittens with like strings attached to them. I actually had string attached mittens up until about maybe five years ago. I never had a pair of mittens that worked. Yeah. And also it's harder for the dog to steal them, I find. <laughs> mm, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and in terms of, um, I guess the podcast is about um, knitting and how it benefits our mental health and mental well-being. It sounds for you, Jen, that you started in terms of thinking about your focus and that it helped you to kind of focus on what you were listening to. Do you think it's got other benefits for you or developed other benefits over the years? I feel like it's really calming for me. I mm -hmm. can't sit still. It's really hard for me to sit still. Um, and in life, there's a lot of places I have to sit still, like when I go to a movie or at a party where like I'm not a huge drinker. So I... I need, like, if I have my knitting with me, I can just sit and I won't, you know, I won't be constantly eating and drinking. And um, I've only had a couple of people comment negatively, like, you know, the stupid, like, oh, grandma, what are you doing? And I'm usually just like, oh, shut up. Like, I don't need you. <laughs> just be quiet. Yeah. I'm not, don't yuck my yum. This is something I like to do. Be quiet. Yeah. I don't think I've had many. I knit in all, all different places and never mind. I'm usually the only person who's knitting, obviously. And uh, yeah, I don't feel like I've had many. I've had people like some uh, probably slightly drunk teenagers wanting to have a go. My knitting, <laughs> which I politely declined. You know, I was like, if I had some spare needles, I could teach you. But uh, not this, not this knitting. <laughs> this, this thing that's precious to me but thank yeah. you so it sounds like it's calming and it helps you in situations where sitting still feels yeah is required and it makes it yeah easier it's for you also to a that. good barometer of of a barometer of how where my head is there have been times I've looked at my husband and, and said you know I haven't knit anything in about six months and he's like oh <laughs> we should fix that like there have been times where I'm like I'm just really like I'm all over the place and I haven't been able to kind of just like have it because it is very centering, you know, mm. it's like I go and sit down and do this. And, you know, I also find sorting out my projects pretty centering. Macy, how mm. about you? Like making sure I know where everything is. 
Oh yeah. I do a uh, reorganize my stash every, so probably twice a year just to get it all out and look at it, re decide if I want to still keep the categories the same. <laughs> um, I likewise, I feel like knitting helps me sit in one place um, without feeling bored and I can wait for things. Uh, I don't, I don't feel scared. I like, I'll feel like if I have, if I know I have to go sit um, in a meeting or if I'm going on a long car trip or there's, I'm going to the, the department of motor vehicles and I know I'm going to be sitting there for a while. I'll get a little anxious if it, anxious if I think I don't have knitting to do. Mm. If, if there's knitting coming to, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. There's no trouble waiting. I could wait forever. It's like a, it, it's like a, it's like medicine for patients. Yeah. And um, likewise, um, I do think that after you get over the initial learning part and you can just your hands do it. I think it does something to your mind. I think it does calm you down. I think it almost makes, it's almost like a forced meditation for Mm. people who don't like to sit and meditate. It sort of does it for you. Okay. I was just reading Michelle Obama's book and she talks about how she um, was right after the big bad election here and she picked up knitting and how it allowed her to get to make her mind stop sort of spiraling um Mm. and it was something about the um the body kind of getting your mind under control so like that this action of doing something small and focusing here that allowed all of that um that um turbulence that we were all experiencing in our minds at that time to kind of be able to be quiet Mm. and um, sort of get recentered. And there is something about making something with your hands, a small thing that um, does make you start to feel like you can have an effect on the world because Mm. you're taking, you're taking string with sticks and that's all it is. And you're making something beautiful or useful out of it. And there's something about that, that, that really can be transformative. I think just in terms of pulling people out of feeling hopeless or helpless, um, especially children, you know, I think that you, you realize like, oh, I can do something in the world that might matter. You know, I just made a hat out of some string. (laughs) So it's a real kind of very tangible reminder of kind of your personal agency. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 And and subliminally, maybe, you know, I don't think people are necessarily thinking about that when they're learning how to knit or, but it does that. I think it does that to us. It makes us real. Oh, I just made um, a garment out of not almost nothing, you know, and, and someone can wear it. I, someone's going to be warm or look cuter now. Yeah. <laughs> and um and that then you can start to apply that to other things too, not just yeah. knitting. And I think it's uh, that kind of sense of control is also very yeah. like when there's other things in your life that feel very like they're spinning out of control. I certainly felt like that in the pandemic. Like I wanted, well look, this lovely knitting it has a a pattern that tells me exactly what will happen at the end. Totally. Whereas the rest of the world seemed like it completely lost all pattern that we recognized whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. I also think that um, it's one of those things that if I do see somebody doing it, I have no problem going up and saying, Ooh, what are you making? What's going on? What, what are you, can I touch it? Is that soft? I mean, and one of the things that we've discovered with the loose ends project is that, um, as knit, people who knit and crochet, that's a normal thing to go up and ask somebody, oh, can I touch that? Can I see mm-hmm. that? Quilters, not so much. Quilters uh, wear gloves oh. when they touch each other's stuff. <laughs> and, um, they're very, they, you, if you went up to a quilter and said, oh, can I touch that? They'd be like, no, no, you can't. Hands off. You're going to ruin my fabric, um, which I thought was a kind of an interesting thing. Um, anyway. And maybe it's because quilting has done more. I mean, I think of quilting as in using a machine, but I don't know if that's what you mean, but I guess it happens in your house more than knitting can be kind of is a bit more portable, maybe. 
Yeah, I, I have seen there are some portable quilting kinds of crafts like hexagon quilts and little tiny things. Um, and those are done with hand quilting. But for I mean, I, I guess my mom was a big sewer. And I think I think that you just don't want to you don't know where people's grubby hands have been. But <laughs> like, I don't think knitters care. Knit, knitters are like, yeah, go ahead, touch it. You know, I think, yeah. I always feel like knitters are delighted to be asked about the, their project or, you know, sometimes people apologize for asking what I'm knitting or I'm like, no, like if there's anything that's fair game for us to talk about, it's the knitting. <laughs> as long as I'm not counting, I don't care. Like, yeah, if that's I'm true. Another, like, oh my God, did I do 10 stitches? Or like, let me count. Like if I'm counting, please don't talk to me because I'm having trouble. <laughs> you start counting out loud to me, yeah. get the across yeah. <laughs> two four eight ten fourteen i don't oh god <laughs> so jen you mentioned the loose ends project that you guys are the co-founders of i would love to hear how that came about and yeah and to hear a little bit more about what it is that you do I, i'm i'm gonna be glib but loose ends came about because neither macy or i wanted to make a crocheted blanket um but macy but it's a, actually a lot more than that <laughs> but um, what we do, I'll tell you what we do, and then um, Macy can elaborate, because it was Macy's brainchild at the okay. very heart. Um, but what we do is we we match people who have unfinished projects by a far, fiber artist in their life, um, their mom, their dad, whoever was a knitter, a crocheter, a tatter, a quilter. And we match them with people who who do that and we call them finishers and they will finish the project for them. Um, we've had, how many UK projects have we had? Like six, Macy? No, no, I have like 15 going right now, 15 or oh, 16. Right. Yeah. So we have a bunch, I, I, the first one, um, I just matched a scarf and a baby blanket recently, but um, the first one was a meerkat that someone was knit, knitting for somebody was knitting for their husband. And then when she passed away, we, we it stopped in his tracks. But the very, the reason that we did this is because we had a friend who, whose mom had passed away. And I'm gonna let Macy talk about that. Okay. Um, so just to clarify, the meerkat was our first UK project. Okay. Yeah. Not, not the first actual project. Yeah. Um, so and the first, the first few actual projects were friends of ours that who we kind of roped into helping us give this a whirl. Um, um, the one of whom was our mutual friend Patty, and we were out in on the West Coast, going helping her go through her mom's bag, her deceased mom's bag of knitting supplies, and kind of just looking through and seeing what to donate, what she would like to keep, just kind of helping her pull everything out and organize and see what, what to do with what. And in the bag, we noticed that there were two partially begun crocheted blankets that our friend's mom hadn't started for her brothers. And that's when Jen says that this was kickstarted from our desire not to crochet those blankets for our friend. She's, it's actually partially true because we, we would have, we would have done it. We, we would have, we would have of course gotten yeah. them done, but yeah, of course we would have gotten them done. Yeah. But we had been thinking about um the concept of loose ends project for a while, for a few for a couple of years. And um both of us had finished projects for friends before who had lost loved ones and recognized what that felt like, which was great. And great for for who who was it great for it felt great for both parties it feels mm. good for both parties and we noticed that the that project owners who get this tangible piece of their loved one back to them are um are often overwhelmed and overcome with emotion just it just feels really good to have this back um their loved one's dna is all over it Mm -hmm. They were touching that for a while. Um, but also we are finding that being able to express generosity to someone you love and to a stranger 
is also been very healing for people and also just feels really good. Um, really one of the best medicines for, for feeling separate and depressed and down is to connect with the community and mm. have connection. And then also doing something that's going to improve somebody else's life can sometimes get us out of our own troubles a little bit. And it does, it, it felt, it feels good to do this for other people. Um, and so we were wondering like, will strangers do this for each other? So, uh, but to backtrack, Jen and I, um, convinced our friend Patty to allow us to take these two blankets and launch Loose Ends Project through these blankets, letting them be the first two projects or among the first three projects. And, um, we didn't have to do <laughs> so part of it is that we did not have to crochet gigantic blankets sure. uh, gigantic yeah. like they yeah. were, the children the children she was making these blankets for were six foot four men right that, <laughs> right and they were they're very big men um and there was just a lot of yarn and they mm -hmm. and the instructions were just go to the yarn is gone um which leads us to another kind of funny lovely moment where are you ready what, for a funny story yeah it's yes. a funny story so one of the projects got completed and got handed off and it was lovely and we were like okay this could work um and then the second one we uh somebody was working on it and couldn't couldn't finish it and we had to we shipped it back to patty and we found another person in portland or oregon and uh it was taking a long time and we were like mindy are you okay? She's like, oh, I'm just going around. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I guess she walked away from the project and came back to it and picked it up and was like, wow, this is really heavy, like really heavy, almost unworkable heavy. And she put it out on a bed and we can send you the picture. It's hilarious. She had <laughs> actually made a double length queen size quilt. Wow. So she put it on the bed. <laughs> And then it went over the bed and we were like, oh, and she's like, oh, I, I guess I was done. And I, I was like, can you cut it in half? Like, how can you steep crochet? Like we were talking about different ways to deal with it. And then other people were like, why would you ever cut it? And I'm like, because it's really unusable right now. Twice the length of the bed. Wow. Yeah. And presumably yeah. like the cost of shipping it, which was, that was going to be double. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. she ended yeah. up frogging it. And then uh, winding up all the balls, and, and we yeah. had a good laugh. She she had a really good sense of humor about it. She was like, "I just I guess I was just gonna go until I was done." And we were like, "Wow, <laughs> good job, man!" <laughs> um, and it ended up being beautiful. Um, but it was pretty funny when we wow. And are there other things that have surprised you, like about the project, like the significance of it to people, or? I don't know, the types of people that contact you. It sounds like you're kind of part detectives, part matchmakers, like you're finding people to complete, like with the right skills for a particular project, close to presumably where the person with the project is. Yeah, so we do try to match people who are close to one another yeah. because because of shipping, partly, um, and carbon footprint, too. Mm -hmm. And also because it can be very stressful to put a precious um, piece of your loved one's work into the mail and trust that it's going to make it there. Sure. <laughs> um, so we we do match people locally. Yeah. Whenever possible. I mean, there are, there are times when a skill uh, when there's a the skill required is so high level that it needs to go in the mail. But or really just or close. unique, right? Like punch needle or uh, right. Right. or like hairpin lace, which isn't something everybody does these days. Sometimes yeah. I, I had I had a serendipitous thing where somebody who was a finisher was like, "I can't needle felt anymore because." It hurts my hands and I have this one kit that I wanted to get done. So every child in my family has this kit. So I had to look for a felter and I found one. And it was all she did was felting mm -hmm. and she happened to be in the same town, which was kind of amazing. Like, oh, wow. So it's not just knitting projects. It's no. craft projects generally. Any type of fiber arts handwork. Okay. 
Yeah. I will say um, most, I would say most of the projects are knitting, crocheting, and quilting. And most of the finishers, more finishers than not, have more than one skill. So um, most of the people who say that they're signing up to become a knitting finisher will also list other things that they can do. Mm-hmm. It's it's rare that someone just says one thing. Yeah. So and and when they sign up, we ask them what they want to do too. We ask them like, "What's your favorite thing to complete?" And then we ask, "What what do you never want to complete?" Because it's not about doing like uh, purgatory kind of work. Like we want people to be enjoying their craft while they're doing it. They're they're sharing their joy of the craft that they're doing. But if you know you hate black yarn, yeah. You don't have to do a black yarn sweater. That's okay. We'll find someone who that who loves to do that. Yeah. Some people say no mohair or yeah. no acrylic or no mm-hmm. wool. Like there are allergies that come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask people if they are willing to take something that's been exposed to cigarette smoke. Right. Um, and some that can be kind of a, you know, divisive um, variable in all of this. Sure. And it sounds like, because I hadn't thought before I heard, when I first heard about your project, I thought immediately about the kind of emotional significance for the people who are receiving finished items that their loved one has left and they didn't have the, you know, ability to see that project finished. I didn't, what I hadn't thought about until we started having conversations about recording this was the emotional kind of involvement of the person who's the finisher and what they might get from it. So I suppose that to me was more of a, I just hadn't thought about that, I guess. I don't know whether any of that caught you by surprise or whether you had thought about that before you started the project. I don't think it caught us by surprise because we, we'd done these things for people we loved yeah. before. Um, but presumably but those were people you knew and had a relationship like with, so you cared about them. Yeah. A lot of people who sign up, well, we have a little bio space in the, the beauty and the weird thing about this is that we don't know a lot about our finishers. Mm. We don't know. Uh, we know what they tell us about themselves. We they they can say, you know, I'm the mother of five. I homeschool and I love knitting. Knitting's how I decompress. Or I'm a retiree and I, you know, I knit or I crochet to fill the time, and I'd love to do it for other people. Mm. But sometimes when we match people, they say things like, you know, I became a finisher because I didn't know how to do this craft when my mom passed away and I couldn't get anyone to finish it. And I know how important that is. So there's a lot of people bringing their 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 stories into the project. And and that that that's the kind of thing that I think makes the the um, makes it so emotional. We just recently were we had a finisher who finished a baby blanket for somebody and her uh we we got them talking to each other and the finisher was crying the whole time Mm. it was like oh and it was just because she was really excited that she could help make this heirloom possible Mm -hmm. um so i i think that the people who do this are pretty empathetic and they want to help and it's giving them a way to get outside of their shell and help somebody in their community because i mean that's the kind of the secret part out loud is that it's building community and it's letting people know that even even with all this stuff where we've been alone for so many years there's people out there willing to take the thing that's not finished and finish it even if they don't know you because they just know that they know that you're experiencing grief grief and they want to help um and i i just think that's that's the part to me that it wasn't surprising it's surprising to me that people don't understand how kind other people are yeah so the the good thing is that it's just showing people that i think that's why we've had such it's grown so much in the last year it's because you know people are pretty good and we've had it's been a really divisive time divisive time in this in where we are and we have people who probably wouldn't talk to each other on the street or might insult each other on Facebook, but they're putting that, they're just going and helping somebody because of, they know how important it is to to deal with this grief. And I don't, 
I, I think that that's pretty spectacular because at some at, at the base level, we're all human and we all experience grief. So regardless of your political leanings, that that's that's that goes over all of those things. Yeah, I don't know, Macy, if you had any other things to add. Yeah, so um, sort of along those same lines, I think that it was um, it was the first big surprise was how quickly this caught on. We didn't, we knew it felt great to do. We didn't realize like we have more than 16,000 finishers now. Wow. Between 16 and 17,000 finishers. And um, the, the fact that not everybody is a crafter and even people who are crafters aren't crafters in every kind of craft. Um, we, recognize that um but so finding the project so finding the finishers was overwhelmingly not not easy but easier than finding the actual projects um because like Jen said like everybody experiences grief nobody no human being that cares about other people or has loved ones in their life is going to get away with it without feeling that right so that's kind of the universal thing and that's the thing that affects both the finishers um our finishers understand that and our project owners definitely understand that and maybe going through that right now um but um finishers who who come to the table to help out get it like i mean because just because they're on this side of the equation as the finishers doesn't mean they're not also on the other side of the equation yeah. As, yeah. as the experiencer of loss so um, and i guess probably what people who do those crafts know is the significance of making like we've all made gifts for our loved ones and know the i don't know how it feels to do that and the amount of love and time and effort that goes into that process. <laughs> sure, right, because yeah. even though you and I right now are maybe knitting underneath the Zoom line <laughs> and having a conversation, there's still in the back of your head with every stitch you're you're you know, even though we're not actively talking about the person that's going to get this right now, um they're in the back of your mind. And yeah. sometimes they are in the forefront of your mind when you're when you're sitting there quietly and knitting your thing. Um so yeah, there's a lot of energy up that love that goes into making something with your hands for somebody else for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, and definitely. Yeah. And I I think that you know that we forget that about other people is is that other people experience grief, and I I think we we spend a lot of time looking inward, and uh, it's nice to be able to focus outward for a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, um, generosity feels good. It feels yeah. good to be generous, right? Um, it it helps our mental health to be generous. It it's um, everybody likes it. Like everybody who tries it on likes it. It feels mm -hmm. great. And I feel like one of the things that Loose Ends Project does is it just opens up some pathways to allow people to be be generous toward each other. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, who might not have been able to find each other. I mean, not that the intention for would have been there, um, but being able to find somebody on your own who might need the kind of project that you know how to finish um, was harder to do. So I think and I guess that it's more rewarding probably to have a personal story and a connection with a specific human rather than because you could knit and donate to a charity where it gets shipped shipped off and it goes to a good cause and that's lovely but I guess in terms of what I get back it might probably be more rewarding if I can imagine this specific person yeah. who's getting this Absolutely. thing that their mum was intending for them to have yeah, yeah. exactly exactly and and no and and 100 everyone should go knit for places that ask for those kinds of things, Linus project yeah. and your hospitals and neonatal. And and, yeah. yeah. Those are all, those are all great. Um, and I do, I think that, that, um, the diff the difference between what we're doing is just is offering that personal connection with it with another person that you're going to get to know, even if you don't meet in person, you're going to get to know through emails and through pictures and you're going to 
directly changed that human being's life mm, yeah. some way. It's a really neat connection that people, it fosters in people, which I, I think that's why people are, are excited about it. Yeah, sure. I would love to hear about a significant knitting project for each of you that could be significant for any reason. I don't know, meaningful or funny or ridiculous or disastrous or uh, any, <laughs> either of you got any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you meaning our own personal knitting project. Uh, something yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It could be a Blue Sense project or uh, one of your personal projects. Um, we actually were just telling this story s- somewhere, but um, uh, an, an in general knitting project story that connection that Jen and I have had, even from before we started Lucen's project, um, whenever one of us is working on something and they're done with it, like they don't want to finish it because it's a nightmare. Either it's, you know, I, um, the other of us will receive that project and pretend like we really, really, really want it (laughs) so that it isn't so painful to let it go. (laughs) Because as you know, I mean, you've put so many hours into something, it can be expensive. You've put tons of time and energy and effort. And to say, you know what, this thing is driving me crazy. I don't want to do it anymore. It's hard to let go of a project, which is one of the reasons why we find sometimes that when people pass away and leave projects behind, um, they may not have wanted to finish it either. Like mm. it's always that they were in the middle of something that was precious to them. Sometimes they were, we're finding projects that we're realizing were not finished because, um, His mom got tired of that Argyle sock pattern that was really <laughs> finicky. And she just threw that in the back because she was like, right. all done. Done. Done with this. Right. Or or the pattern is wrong or wasn't mm. working. Or for one reason, there was a mistake that brought us too far in the wrong direction. And so um, Jen and I have an agreement that if that happens with us, uh, the other person um, will pretend that's exactly what we would love to finish ourselves. Or can we <laughs> please have that? Like, oh, I was looking just for that beautiful mohair like oh I'll have, I will love to mohair belly shirt I want yeah. it give it to me <laughs> yeah and so we'll take that off the other one's hands and then once it's once the door is closed it doesn't really matter what happened that can okay. go to it can get donated so tell it me that you out. threw it away like tell me yeah. tell me it's going no. to like Rusty went to the farm and not you know uh-huh. not the- no I mean, if it has to get thrown on a fire, it can get thrown on a fire, but usually it um, will get pulled out or I don't think I've ever finished something of yours, Jen. I think it's only ever. No, it's usually like it's been stained by coffee. There's things missing. And I'm like, I guess I should finish it. And you're like, oh, no, no, I love coffee. Give that to me. I would love to do this. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a perfect agreement. And was there a specific project you were thinking of, Macy, that you had I gave one to you once, Jen. Was it mohair? I can't even remember. Oh, you gave me a lovely mohair size zero needle. Uh, It was a, uh, (laughs) it was a a scarf that had big giant holes in it. So it was one of these things where you, you cast on, you cast off, you yarned over, but it was like really tiny. That um, I may, I ended up finishing it, Macy, and I gave it to a nun who studies marine biology. So it was really art. I know, right? <laughs> I love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, have you got a significant project for you that you that comes to mind? That that I've done. Um, you know i I have a I have a seventeen year old who loves wearing sweaters that his mommy makes, which I find really disturbing. And, and That's I'm brilliant, wondering, isn't it? no, it's, it's wonderful. Awesome. But but what it has so right, and, and I think currently I'm working on it right now. Um, this is this is the second iteration of it because it went into the washing machine on high, um, and became a belly shirt for him. And we have a a carpool and a teenage uh, friend of his girl was like, oh, it fits me great. So she now has one. So now I'm making it for him again. And oh, I'm, I'm glad it had a happy ending though. That It one. had a happy ending. Um, 
And I'm thinking about making one for her twin brother, but he's six eleven, so I don't know if I have that much energy to make a giant scarf. Whatever you diet. do, you need to make sure he's very clear on the washing instructions. Yeah, I mean that's oh, yeah. the thing. Like, it's when you knit something for somebody. Like I, in my place of work, all the places I've worked, people have had babies, and when people have babies, they're always. I I try to make them something um, for that new baby because a new baby should be a you know yeah you're getting a baby this is great let's celebrate um so sometimes i make hats sometimes i make a really fun pattern that's really fun to start it's a, a vogue knitting pattern that's like little medallions that i hate i'm cursing at at the ends because i have <laughs> to tie in all those little pieces together um but when you give these things to people who aren't knitters you have to make a decision like, A, you're going to give only knitters the best things that you make because they know how much time it took, or you have to be very zen about it. Like, here you go. I made this for you because I love you. Um, I, just recently, I gave a baby a baby blanket to a friend of mine that just adopted a baby, and I they're like, well, what do we do with it? And I was like, look, you can wash it, <laughs> and you can hang it. You can hand wash it, and you can hang it up. Or you can throw it in the washing machine and turn it into a dishcloth and I'll make you a new one. But like, <laughs> know that those are the things that could happen. And either way, I still love you. And I made this because I, I, I'm excited for you to start a family. So, um, so you sound like you've done a good job of making your peace with releasing them into the wild, the knits. Yeah. You have to, because yeah. if yeah. you don't, it's, you're just going to be sad. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. The tide's going to come wash that away and it's out of you your control. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing you can do. Like, let's let's take responsibility for things we can be responsible for, but other people's behavior, I'm just all done being responsible for that. Like, yeah. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the process of making the gift was like the bit that was a gift to me, yeah. in a sense, or that was the bit that was the significant bit for me. And hopefully there was something significant or appreciated about what they received and that that felt nice also for me. But then the next bit, I don't feel like it's important to me. Macy and I had a fun, I, I used to work for a big corporation and uh, one of the things people like to do is use sports metaphors all the time. And um, I got tired of it. So I just started throwing in um, knitting metaphors. Like, and, and I'm not as clever as Macy or some of my other friends. And I posted that I was gonna start doing this and Macy came up with like 30. You're like, you guys aren't working like a proper stitch holder. You're you're working like a couple of safety pins all over the place. You need a, we need a proper stitch holder here. Or, yeah, I know they've got some. I know they say they don't have a another marketing resource, but I think they've got some mohair in their stash that they could, de or some DK weight in their stash that they could definitely use for this project. So like, I, I find that hilarious. And when I left my job, I basically said sometimes you got to just give the you know you you got to just give that hand knit sweater to somebody and hope that they they take what you've built over time and hand wash it and line dry dry it but you know they might just take it and throw it in the on high heat and dry it so it's dog clothes and you just got to go either way and people were like I, I sent that out to all the people I worked with and some of them were like you're weird uh we're gonna miss you and some of them <laughs> were like, I totally get it <laughs> and some people were like I well doll clothes what are you talking about I don't understand so it landed uh, for some right. of them yeah would have landed for Macy would have landed yeah. for you yeah, yeah. For sure. I get it but it was like you know all the sports metaphors are right time to bring something more interesting in <laughs> yeah, I mean, the sports metaphors are totally like I'm they're not inclusive to everybody. Not everybody sits and watches football all Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, like, I don't remember being in the huddle back in the locker room back in the day. Like, no, I don't remember that. I do remember sitting at a cafe with five people knitting a sock or two. Like, I remember that. That's something that I did collaboratively with another group. And I probably didn't hurt anybody while doing it. Nobody got, you know, a, had to get a CT scan or concussion protocol afterwards. So, like, I think it's probably a better metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of things outside of knitting, I'd love to hear something that each of you do outside of knitting or craft that you do to benefit your mental health or well-being. Work. <laughs> Work? No. Well, I will say this. Um, I, 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 obviously, this is almost dumb to say because everybody probably feels this way, but I adore my family and I love spending time whenever I can. My kids are grown and one's in college and the other ones are off living and I like spending time with them and uh, love to cook, love spending time with my spouse. We, I see friends. I love my friends. I mean, I, I think just being with the people that I love is what I do with my other time. But every single night now, before I go to sleep, I cannot wait to wake up and work. Isn't okay. that crazy? Yeah. I love doing this job. It is amazing. It is so fun and fulfilling and challenging and I love it. So I, I do knit whenever I can too, but, um, I love doing this. I mean, um, that said, I, my, a friend came over yesterday and my dad was up visiting and we played cards for four hours straight. It felt like five minutes and we didn't <laughs> stop laughing the entire time we were cracking up laughing and <laughs> I was an unexpected, I did not expect time to go so fast. Um, mm. I did not expect to be laughing so hard for so long, but we had so much fun just playing canasta. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I haven't played canasta in a long time. It was fun. It was right. so fun. I'm going to trivia night tonight. I think just doing fun things, doing things with loved ones is kind of my... And it changes it. It's different doing a thing together, isn't it? Rather than yeah. just like, I don't know, hanging out, socializing, eating and drinking, I suppose is what we usually do, I guess. Play, play. <laughs> fun to, yeah, I play. Do, yeah. I do think going on errands with your friends, it can be the, some of the most rewarding stuff that you do. <laughs> like, you know, hanging out like, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to go to Fred Meyer and then I'm going to go over and, you know, I got to go drop off my dry cleaning. You want to come? Yeah, I'll come. Like, it's just nice to to be along for the ride in somebody else's day to day sometimes. Mm. Um, I, I really enjoy, uh, there's, I don't know, there's a meme out there that's like, there's nothing that, uh, that two women on a walk can't solve. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I do a lot of like, we have a, a loop of about five miles in my neighborhood. And if, if I'm not running it by myself, I'll go for a walk with my friends. And that's, that's super de-stressing and um my kids are one of my kids is home from college and the other one's in high school and last night we were we we hung out we made we went to the grocery store together we made some food and then the oldest sat on my laid down on my lap while we watched uh the office and um I gave her head rubbies which she really likes which I don't get to do for my 21 year old very much yeah. uh, and then I was tired, so I went to bed and I said to the her younger brother, I'm like, all right, it's your turn to give Julia head rubbies. And as I was walking up the stairs, I heard, thanks, mom. You just set me up to get my head rubbed by his foot. That's great, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgot about the sibling dynamic there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's always going to be there. <laughs> However old they get. <laughs> they're very nice to each other, but uh, they're still siblings. So Yeah, yeah, there's a line. Um, so <laughs> I always end these interviews with asking, what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life? So I don't know if either of you have got particular thoughts that come to mind when you think about what you've got most from knitting. Well, I, I feel like besides just personally not having to be afraid to wait anywhere anymore um and fear of boredom mm -hmm. um is gone i think that is personally a, a year ago i would have said that is the biggest gift that knitting's given me just like freedom from anxiety about being bored mm -hmm. um but it is now one year later after starting lucen's project it is given me the I think the realization that I think it gave me what I needed to connect with Jen and make loose ends project happen because if I weren't if I wasn't personally a knitter I don't think I would ever recognize the value of finishing something that that has been handmade mm. um 
like the whole concept of this really was born out of our own passion for knitting. Yeah. Right. Like without, without that, this wouldn't be happening right now. Hmm. I don't think. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think we would have realized how important it was uh, to other people. Some yeah. of these, sometimes you have to experience something yourself to understand how, how it affects other people. I think yeah. before loose ends, I would have thought knitting's given me, I'm not, I don't, I actually never thought of it as being bored, but being, being, um, maybe it is bored, but I, I, with ADHD, I'm just mostly like, there's too many things going on at one time. And this is the one thing that takes that part of my brain. That's like, okay, go look at the squirrels. And it's like, nope, you're, you're doing your hands right now. Your hands are doing this. And then you can focus on what Cheryl and accounting said on the Zoom call. That sounds um, like it's kind of grounding, but giving you enough stimulation that you don't get too bored and go looking for it, something more yeah. distracting elsewhere. Yeah. And it's got to yeah. be what you said. It's got to be like the sock that you're going in circles. Because if you're sitting there trying to do intarsia, eh, maybe that will be like way more in, in, exciting than Gail yeah. from accounting. Um, the accounts but, might be a bit dodgy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> but because because we've been doing this project, I mean, we're we're kind of. It's funny. We we just talked to a woman who had the honor of being at the Holocaust Museum and touched knitting that um, people in the Holocaust had gone had. I don't know if they were forced to do or if they had been doing it as a remembrance. Like it was all these different feelings. Yeah. And um, she said touching it gave like, made her so incredibly full of emotions. And, you know, because we've been doing this project, I I get it. Like when you, when you hold on to something that somebody intentionally was making for somebody else and what like Patty's mom was worried about not finishing things for her, for her sons. And um, the fact that we've been able to create a system for that, that worry to be alleviated. Mm. Um, Patty, our, our friend who's, whose mom had the two blankets said she felt like she had tied her mom's life up in a nice bow, which I just think is such an incredible gift, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, and I guess loss and bereavement are a time where there are so few things you can do for a person going through yeah. that, you know, time. And I've heard a lot of stories about kind of how knitting has been helpful to people who've been bereaved and the the kind of um, comfort of having a thing you can do when there isn't anything that words can change, you know, they can't change what's happened and there isn't necessarily anything to say to a person, but you can do the companion noble silence of sitting and knitting together. So, or lots of ways in which um, knitting has been helpful in the process, but I guess this is a very real thing you can do for another person or you guys have facilitated people doing yeah. for each other. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you said, "Have I, I'm guilty of this when somebody's going through something, well, let me know if there's anything I can do. Mm, yeah. This is something we can do. Yeah. Um, and and we know we can do it. Like we can, there, <laughs> I've talked to people and they're like, you know, you know, people have varying degrees of, of skill when it comes to communication and technology. So I've called people and talked to them and they're like, well, it's this and this, and it's really hard. And I'm like, yep, we, we got people, we got people who can help you with that. Let's now that I understand what the scope is, we can, we can figure it out. And uh, that's just, I think that's truly a, that's a remarkable thing to be able to to give to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all of the connections and the ways the finishes are benefiting too and feeling oh. useful and like giving them that gift of generosity, like you said, Macy, earlier. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be people who want to find out more about Loose Ends. So how Wonderful. would they go about doing that? What's the best way to find out more? So anyone who wants to sign up to become a volunteer finisher, Mm-hmm. Or anyone who wants to submit a project can do so right through the links on our homepage. Our website is looseendsproject.org. And um, that is how you connect with us. Perfect. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. And, and Ravelry. Badly. And Ravelry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're known as Loose Ends Project in all of those places? Yes. Super. Correct. 
Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to hear your story and to hear your own personal stories as well. So thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you for inviting us. It's so nice of you to invite us. Yeah, this is super fun. It's always fun to talk about, you know, knitting and crafts and ourselves. I mean, this is kind of fun. Like, <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get a chance to talk about those, those things that matter to me like that a lot. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about my work, you can visit my website, therapeuticknitting.org, or you can follow me on Instagram at knitting is therapeutic. Thanks. Thanks.